Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be comparing one movie about people riding in a boat trying to break a curse versus another movie featuring people riding in a boat trying to break a curse. Oh, that's a real head scratcher. I know, right? So we're going to be comparing the Jungle Cruise movie that just came out to the original Pirates of the Caribbean. So we got a question a few weeks ago uh, from a listener asking us what our thoughts on the Jungle Cruise uh, movie was. We gave uh, a quick take on that, but we talked about we wanted to compare it to the franchise that it's been most compared to leading up to this of it's the next Pirates of the Caribbean. So we rewatched the first Pirates last night. And then we're going to be kind of comparing the two of why we think Pirates of the Caribbean worked better than The Jungle Cruise. So uh, if you've not seen either of those movies, heavy spoilers are going to be coming up. So this is your your spoiler warning here. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the news and then we'll actually get into the movies. So again, if you've not seen The Jungle Cruise yet, you don't want to be spoiled on some of the plot points. Uh, you may want to watch the movie and then come back and listen to this episode later. All right, so let's jump into the big news of the week, and that is the... 50th anniversary Magic Bands are back in stock, so head out now and buy them if you're heading uh, on a trip soon, but they're probably already sold out again already. I gotta say, uh, if you've not seen these Magic Bands that Disney just released for the 50th anniversary, um, they're awesome, and they sold out almost immediately. They have a lot of like interesting yeah. characters on there that aren't on Magic Bands before. Yeah, I mean, just as an example, Figment, Chuby, Simba... Those are all orange on, birds on there. Yeah, orange bird. They're all on the fiftieth magic band. Yeah, and it's it's like a purple. It's got that purple iridescence that they're doing. I gotta say, I think there's probably somebody in uh, merch sales that's a genius because these magic bands came out and they sold out almost like immediately. Instantaneously. Yeah. and it was on you know the I'm on a bunch of Disney Facebook pages because why not? Aren't we all? And so, you know, people were saying, Oh, I, I just got mine. And then everybody was like, Oh, it's sold out. But within like three days, they got restocked. And so they clearly had more. But I think they kind of artificially they're, made it seem like, yes. Oh, no, because now everybody wants one because they're talking about it and they can't get it. So now everybody's gonna be wanting one. And then as soon as they're back in stock, people are gonna be flocking to it. I think it was a smart, smart move. Right? They're they're toying with supply and demand a little bit. Yeah, there goes me again with the conspiracy theories that Disney is uh, messing with things. This is why I'm worried about Lightning Lane, that they're going to mess with the uh, supply and demand of wait times in order to get you to pay for that Disney Genie Plus. So, And actually, speaking of Lightning Lanes, the first Lightning Lane signs uh, have been installed. So those are starting to pop up at the attraction. So I think we talked about when we talked about Disney Genie Plus that this will probably be uh, in place for October 1st. So it seems like that may be correct, especially if they're starting to install the signage for these. So it'll be interesting to see when we get an actual date that this gets released. But the real big news of the week is that Walt Disney World annual pass program has been restarted. So a few weeks ago, Disneyland announced their new Magic Key program. Walt Disney World had previously said that their annual pass program would be back in time for the 50th. They are uh, changing it a little bit. There's only four pass tiers now. And it used to be called like silver, gold, platinum. They changed it. I don't know why they picked these names. So you have the Disney Pixie Dust Pass, the Disney Pirate Pass. Uh, that one seems the oddest to me. The yeah. Disney Sorcerer Pass, and then the Disney Pass. Oh, I feel like the Pirate Pass should be free. You should have to steal it. It's like Bitcoin. You have to mine for it or something. 
you know what? I'm surprised yeah, they don't have a Disney cryptocurrency yet. That's, that's probably coming. So the real big change is that there's only one pass now available to non-Florida residents. And that is, uh, not surprising here, the most expensive pass, which is the Increda pass. So that one is going to run you $1,299. That has no blackout dates. You can hold five theme park reservations at a time. And again, that is the only one available to non-Florida residents. Um, the Disney Sorcerer Pass is $899. That one is also available if you are a full DVC member. And so uh, looking at these prices compared to the old annual passes, the uh, top tier pass before the, the Disney Platinum Plus Pass was $1,295, so uh, pretty similar to the Increda Pass. DVC members could buy the Gold Pass at $719, so you have a price hike there. But then there also were um, some other passes. So they had an Epcot After 4 pass for Florida residents only, which was $300. And they had a weekday select pass, which was $369. So they got rid of the Epcot After 4 pass. And the weekday select pass is basically the Pixie Dust pass um, because that does not have uh, any weekends, essentially, as blackout dates. And that's $399. So a little bit of price hikes on the you know actual annual passes. The big changes are is none of these passes include uh, free photo pass or water parks. So before the the Platinum Plus pass had all that included. So if you want those now, they are ninety nine dollars each in addition. So if you got both of those, that's going to be additional two hundred dollars. So it would actually run you. It would take that thirteen hundred dollar pass up to fifteen hundred dollars. So uh, again, a price hike here. Probably not uh, too bad compared to the previous prices. Um, but again, it's going to cost you a little bit more, and they're taking away some perks to being an annual pass member. Right, and also they're barring you from getting any pass, like most of the passes, if you're not a Florida resident. You're right. Yeah, they they really are are forcing people to pay uh, for the most expensive pass if you're not a Florida resident. And even the Florida resident passes, there are a lot of blackout dates, so it really seems like Disney is trying to prevent annual pass holders from coming on weekends. Um, for a lot of these, so they're trying to sell, you know, more individual tickets on weekends, which are probably sense. at a higher price point. Yeah, because a lot of people come over the weekends. Yeah, and and I think you know, for me, we've we've talked about you know Disney raising prices on things. I'm okay if annual passes go up because those are the people that are going multiple multiple times a year, and really, when we talk about Disney being expensive, I, I think we view it through the lens of you know, a family coming and it's, this is their one trip a year or their one trip every five years and that being kind of unattainable now. And so I think, again, it's just another sign of Disney trying to, you know, try to make some more money. But I think when, when we look at how Disney's becoming expensive, we're not really probably looking at the people that are going numerous, numerous times a year that it's more that that one time trip. And so if this maybe helps keep some of those costs low maybe it's not that bad of a trade-off i don't know I, I guess if you're going to disney multiple multiple times a year you either live there or you probably have the money or you make them like you make the money and save up for it so it's not as bad as yeah as if people who have maybe been saving for years and years to to get there yeah exactly i, I think if i was a florida resident i mean the, the cheapest option at like four hundred dollars even if you couldn't go on weekends I mean, that, that might be a little bit difficult, but that seems like a pretty good deal because you wouldn't have to go that many times to make it worth it. You know, three or four single park days 
are going to be $400. Whereas, right. you know, we were kind of looking at the annual pass and at $1,300, you would have to go two or three times a year essentially to break even on it. I mean, we're looking at going next April for like five days and five days worth of park hopper tickets. It's half the price of an annual pass. So right. we have to go on two five day trips, which is difficult for us to do to even break work even schedules. on Yeah. To even break even on the annual pass. So it really does makes more sense just to buy the tickets as they go. But I think some of the Florida resident ones seem more reasonable, especially if you're there that you could go a lot. You really are well, going to get your money's you worth out of it. So you figure on like a Thursday after school or any day of the week after school, you could just run over, have dinner there and ride a couple rides and leave. And even if you paid up a little bit more to have uh, you know, one of the annual passes that doesn't have all the weekends blocked out, that again, if you went five or six weekends you're making out on this. So again, it is a little bit of a price increase. I think it's the most noticeable is where they took away all the extras. So now you don't get the photo pass. You don't get the water parks. You have to pay extra for that. So again, it does seem like, hey, I had all this stuff included before. And if I want to keep the same level, I'm going to have to pay more. So I think that's where, again, just the optics of it look bad. I will say Carly Wiesel, she wrote a piece about the new annual pass program. And she actually mentioned that if you look at all the announcements Disney's made about all of the price increases with you know, lack of perks on annual pass and, and now having to pay for fast pass and everything, that you know, it seems like a lot of negative press coming out all in a short amount of time, but it's actually kind of a smart business move. I never thought about this because they get all the negative publicity out now before the 50th. So once October 1st hits, all of these policy changes are going to be in effect now and they can now just focus on all positivity about the 50th. They don't have to have an announcement, oh, by the way, you're going to have to pay not to wait in line in the middle of the 50th. Or, oh, by the way, we're cutting all the perks for annual passes um, You know, in the middle of that. That They're kind of getting it all out now, getting all that negative publicity out. And then as soon as October 1st hits, everybody's going to be like, oh, it's so amazing. It's the 50th. What a celebration. So actually, from that perspective, it is a yeah. smart move. That they're, they're purging all the negative press. Yeah, and I had never thought about that, but uh, that was a good insight on, on her part there. All right, so let's jump into uh, the movies here. So as I joked at the beginning, they are essentially uh, at the basic plot point, pretty much the same movie. You have uh, cursed uh, pirates and conquistadors, and you have people on boats trying to break curses. So they're, they're very similar movies, and I think that's why there was, was a lot of comparisons um, between the two when the Jungle Cruise came out. And also, there are five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So the chances that it's going to, you know, Jungle Cruise is going to hit plot points of all five movies are pretty high. We are just focusing on the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie here because, again, that was the one that launched the, the five-movie franchise. franchise. And again, you know, there was a lot of talk before the Jungle Cruise came out that Disney was hoping this would be their next franchise, that this would take over for Pirates of the Caribbean because again, that franchise has been around for a while and has been getting a little bit stale in some of the, the later movies. When we saw The Jungle Cruise and we had talked about this, it was a decent movie, but it didn't necessarily feel as good as it could have been or feel as good as the original Pirates of the Caribbean. And it didn't really see this as some huge you know, multi-sequel franchise. And we wanted it to go back and rewatch Pirates to make sure you know, we weren't just remembering it in a better light. And yeah. kind of compare and contrast kind of maybe what worked in Pirates and what didn't. So we rewatched Pirates 
and I will say it definitely held up, I think, in for me at least, and I think it, it still is the better movie. Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, I think that everything that you see for the first time when you're a teenager seems better. Um, so, you know, there is definitely a touch of nostalgia and these are just our opinions. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're not the authority on this, but yeah. No, we are the authority. <laughs> this is it. This is the official, we're the authority on Pirates versus Jungle Cruise here. Yeah, I, 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 we will try to be as fair as we can, but you know, it is, for me at least, I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean over 10 times, whereas I've only seen Jungle Cruise once. So yeah, it was really I can annoying. speak to Pirates a lot better. Yeah, it was really annoying rewatching it because you kept saying all the lines ahead of time. I uh, thought you only did that with the Lion yeah, King. Yeah, I'm not as bad as the Lion King, uh, but. You were, it was pretty bad. You know, I had to ask you to stop a few times. Yes. Like, just let me see this movie. You know, a student asked me this week what my favorite Disney movie is, and I pointed to my giant poster of The Lion King in my classroom. And I, That's I, I'm your not... favorite animated. Yeah, I think yeah. live action's Pirates. Yeah, I think it has to be Pirates. Yeah. That movie's so good. Yeah. And I will say, um, kind of to your point, I mean, obviously, yes, these are our opinions. We're, we aren't the authority. You know, The Jungle Cruise, I mean, it did have some good points to it. I mean, it definitely... There was a there was a I feel like a better movie in there though is I think what it was I think there was some good pieces to it and I think there were just some other pieces that that were missing yeah that didn't hit quite right that could have made it a better movie I will say that there is word that a sequel is already in the works for the Jungle Cruise which I really don't know where they're gonna go with a sequel on that I mean it seems odd I I do worry that they run into the issue they did with the Pirates of the Caribbean where they had one good movie and then those sequels kind of... They dropped off. Yeah, and they really didn't make sense and it, it kind of got a little bit confusing there and muddled, so... Well, I think that they can go up a lot whereas Pirates went... The first movie was such a good movie. It, it had a lot of room to go down. And also, if you think about Pirates, the second and third movies are one movie, so... Yes, that's true. And they did film them as as one kind of sprawling movie, so that... That hurt it a little bit. So um, for those of you who may not have seen The Jungle Cruise yet uh, or may forget what happened in Pirates of the Caribbean. You need a refresher. Yeah, just kind of a quick overview of both plots. So we'll start with Jungle Cruise. Um, So Jungle Cruise uh, follows Emily Blunt's character, Lily, who is searching for um, a magical tree that has flowers uh, in the Amazon that can heal all illnesses break any curse it can basically do anything anybody ever wants or dreams or imagines so so she's searching for that the rocks character it's the ultimate medicine is yeah, what she's searching basically, for she's basically. a scientist and that's what she wants exactly she thinks it can do all this this is one of my issues with the movie that we'll get into uh then you have the rocks character frank wolf so he is our skipper he is the person running the jungle cruise and i do like the kind of the nods to the ride where he's kind of running and and it's kind of scamming tourists with fake danger and corny puns on his jungle cruise very similar to the jungle cruise attraction so i did like that kind of callback but there's a whole backstory that there were three or four hundred years prior spanish conquistadors also searching for the tree They ultimately found it with the help of the natives, but then they turned on the natives when they wouldn't reveal the actual location of the tree. So so basically real life. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And then so they were cursed uh, forever. They had to stay on the water, and if they left the water, uh, they would turn into stone. It's revealed later that the Rock's character was actually one of these conquistadors, and he had trapped the other ones. Giant spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, and and then there is uh, a bad guy, Prince... Joachim, uh, he's a, a German uh, prince, and he's looking for the tree as well to help end World War One. And so he releases the conquistadors uh, to hunt down the rock. 
uh, and Emily Blunt's character. We'll call her Pants because that's what The Rock calls her. <laughs> but Lily, uh, Lily and Frank to hunt them down. And ultimately, uh, Lily and Frank uh, prevail. Uh, Lily breaks the curse uh, on Frank and they go live in London. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah, don't forget about McGregor. He's the probably the best character Besides, I mean, The Rock is cool, and Emily Blunt's character is cool, but McGregor is the comic relief. He is the comic relief. He wasn't necessarily key to the plot, so I was trying to give a he, quick plot overview here. He wasn't. Um, yeah, but, but you're right. But he he was a he was a good character as well. He was actually one of the highlights. I feel like he of was. The movie. He was. All right. So to, to give a quick overview of the original Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, this follows uh, Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow, Orlando Bloom's Will Turner and Kira Knightley's Elizabeth Swan. Um, so they are uh, kind of our three main characters here, and you have uh, cursed pirates instead of cursed conquistadors here. Who, who are cursed because they stole... Aztec gold. Act, Aztec gold yeah. because it's from the conquistadors from Cortez yes, because it's from Cortez. he killed yes. the natives. Yeah, so it actually it, it ties in here. So um, and, and they are led by uh, Jeffrey Rush's Captain Barbosa. They have the Black Pearl. So Jack is... Jack is essentially trying to get the Black Pearl back. Uh, Jeffrey, Rush, and Barbosa, they're essentially trying to break their curse, which is why they're after Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner. So that's kind of how they all get thrown together. Um, yeah, they're after that last piece of Aztec gold that is in the possession of William Turner. Exactly. Well, actually, Elizabeth well, Swan. Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, Elizabeth Swan has right. it. So they, she stole it. So they, they kidnap her. Uh, so Will is trying to get Elizabeth back. That's why he teams up with Jack, because Jack's trying to get the Black Pearl back. Uh, and then they go on a uh, high seas boat ride. Uh, a lot of adventures ensue. They find out that uh, Elizabeth isn't who she said she was, and they actually need Will. And so um, the cursed pirates then are after Will. Battle ensues. The British uh, Royal Navy uh, <laughs> is involved in this as well. And in the end, they break the curse. Jack kind of tricks them. He kills Barbosa because he took the Black Pearl from him. He gets the Black Pearl back and escapes. Uh, and Will and Elizabeth help him uh, escape at the end. And they kind of realize that maybe pirates aren't as bad as everybody thought they were going to be. Um, and so they, they kind of go from there. So again, kind of a quick rundown of both movies just to kind of level set and give everybody a refresher. Like you already called out some of the, some of the similarities there um, between the two. Um, so let's kind of jump into, yeah, maybe, maybe what works, what didn't work, why, why one worked better and maybe why one didn't. So straight from the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean, you have an incredible hook. Um, you know, when you get in, in the beginning of the movie there, you're in fog, you're, you're introduced to young Elizabeth and you get this sense of foreboding. It is definitely a proper hook. Uh, you see that there's pirates. Pirates are scary. And then she finds William Turner. Pirates and are scary. They didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> and she steals William Turner's uh, necklace, which you know there's something about that. So it, there's a lot of intrigue in the beginning of it. If we switch over to the Jungle Cruise, it does have a cool beginning, especially when you consider how it ties back into the end of the movie. But having said that, the hook isn't as interesting. You know, you have her brother in front of the group of people trying to convince her, them to let her into the group um, to go and they're basically on this like expedition. A, they're basically a society yeah, of, adventurers. of adventurers. It's not specifically said that it's sea. It has a different name to it. So I could see maybe in a, in a sequel. Um, uh, a again, sequel. Yeah, because Lily doesn't join their society in the end. So maybe she starts her own rival one. Maybe that's why they need to have a sequel. It's like a rival gang. But this is, I mean, maybe this is the beginning of C. I mean, maybe right. maybe that kind of comes up in the sequel here. But yeah, so it's like the, I don't know if it's like the British 
Royal Society. It's something like that of of like scientist things. Right. So it is really cool because at the very end, they kind of want to let her in and she says, I don't want you. Um, so I thought that was that was interesting. And but I will say it wasn't as interesting and as much of a hook as pirates had i agree with you i think you know pirates had a better intro i think one of the the big things and why pirates almost worked a little bit better first of all you get to see elizabeth and will as children so you kind of get to see their backstory without them just having to tell you about it it kind of lays out showing versus telling yeah it kind of lays out this is who these people are. And then we transition to them kind of in the modern times. And, and it explains why they have the relationship that they have, because it seems unlikely that she's in a much higher station than he would be. Exactly. So yeah, it, it, it lays a lot of that groundwork. It also sets up that there's, you know, this mysterious pirates out there. I will say, I think what it also does and what also makes pirates of the Caribbean better and hurts the jungle cruise. And I think the jungle cruise is victim to what is happening to a lot of movies nowadays and that's why a lot of movies maybe aren't as strong is they don't have as many characters so pirates of the caribbean there are so many storylines and characters in there and i understand that sometimes if that's done poorly it's it's too much it's too much and you can't spend long enough with the characters exactly That, that was my complaint about the avengers the first avengers movie right but like endgame did it infinity war and endgame did it really well but the so the problem is I, I feel like movies tend to gravitate towards the other end where they have no side characters. So in the Jungle Cruise, you basically are following. And I think this is my probably one of my biggest issues with it is the whole movie essentially is following Frank, Lily, uh, and McGregor. And that he's played by Jack Whitehall. We didn't mention that earlier. So if I switch back and forth between their character names and their real names, it'll <laughs> it'll make sense. But it basically follows them the entire movie and we do get some glimpses of the conquistadors and and some uh, and like the villains like quote-unquote villains but it's it's very brief and it's not really fleshed out and i feel like that is where the movie struggles is we have to spend so much time just following the main characters and it's basically just them on a boat on the jungle and there's not enough that can happen when you're just following the main characters for two hours whereas with Pirates of the Caribbean, you have multiple sets of, of main characters in different areas. So, you know, Jack and Will are together. Uh, Elizabeth and Barbosa are together. You also have Elizabeth's uh, father and the Commodore, you know, searching for them as well. So you can cut between two or three different groups of people that then gives you a more fuller storyline and it also keeps kind of the excitement and plot moving and it also helps give a better backstory to the cursed pirates and the the crew of the black pearl whereas the conquistadors i mean it's like hey there's these conquistadors and then all of a sudden they come out and they have you know snakes and bees and stuff and it's it's very light i mean it's a few minutes to their backstory that you really don't feel like they are a real threat or they're real villains. Whereas in, in pirates, there's definitely a lot more intrigue and you have to follow it a lot more. Cause there's, you know, double crosses and planning and backstabbing and, and you don't know where it's going to go because you can kind of cut back and forth between all these characters. And so, you know, the jungle cruise, isn't the only movie that does this, you know, other movies have kind of gone this way where they just follow one group of characters. But I think that's, it, it hurts a movie whenever, 
you can't focus on multiple characters. We talked about this on the Marvel TV shows. You know, TV shows, what they do great is have multiple character threads. And whenever you have movies that don't do that, it, it kind of hurts those movies. Right. And I think that Jungle, Tru- Jungle Cruise, I think, tried to do this, but they spent time with characters that you didn't really care about. You know, like you were saying, you would flash over to Prince Joachim and it was like, I know this guy's a bad dude. I don't really need to spend a lot of time with him. What was nice that you mentioned, you know, the main characters got broken up in Pirates of the Caribbean so much that every time you saw Barbosa, it wasn't just Barbosa. Barbosa was with one of our main characters. So you got to see how bad he was while also furthering the plot with the other, whatever main character was with him at the time. So it was really well planned out. And it kind of helped fill out Barbosa's and the crew's backstory. So to your point, because he was with different people, you got different bits and pieces of the story as he was interacting with different people. Um, whereas, again, with the Jungle Cruise, again, you, you kind of saw Prince Joaquim. You saw the Conquistadors. But you never really got, like, they, their motivation wasn't there either. Like, that's my other issue with this. And I kind of talked about this. With the Jungle Cruise, you have this tree and basically, they have this MacGuffin that can do anything. Like it's just like it will cure any curse, any any illness, any disease. And Lily just thinks, oh, if I have a leaf of it, I can just change all of medicine. And and Prince Joaquin thinks, oh, well, if I have a leaf, I can win a war. It's such a large spectrum of what they expect to happen that it almost becomes unbelievable, and it doesn't seem like they are driven. It doesn't seem like they're driven by something realistic when they both want something so opposite. Whereas in pirates, these pirates are cursed. They are driven by we need to break the curse. That's why we need the gold. That's why we need Will Turner because we need his blood to break the curse. It's a lot more straightforward. And then you have Jack who's not trying to get the gold or do anything. He's trying to do something completely different. He's trying to get get a ship back. So he's playing this other game here. Whereas in the Jungle Cruise, they're both trying to get the same tree, but to do two things that are so drastically different, I'm like, how do we even know this tree can even do any of this stuff? Well, yeah, I think it makes sense from Lily's perspective because, you know, being a woman in, I think it was the 1920s, right? Yeah, I think it takes place 1916, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah, Yeah. so it's like World War One. Yeah, early 1900s. Being a woman during that time, she's trying to gain respect, so she needs to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Like, she needs to do something big. But I do kind of agree with you that Prince Joachim, I don't know how much the Germans really needed to go after this. I don't know if he was just bored and he wanted wanted the fame. But I guess you could think of it like Ponce de Leon and the search for the fountain of youth. People thought that was a real thing and there were a lot of people out there looking for it so see i, but it's I not think as that, strong. Yeah. i think that would have made more sense I, I agree with you i think that lily's motivation does make the most sense because if, if the tree can cure all ailments it at least makes logical sense that if she could get a leaf she could revolutionize medicine from that regard so it makes sense there but then again when you have the bad guy saying oh, i'm just going to get this because it's going to give me power to win a war I guess you could kind of say, oh, well, maybe he feels like he could just heal all the soldiers and they could win. But I feel like it would almost been better if, like you said, it was something like he was trying to get eternal life or something or like he was cursed in some way. Like maybe not like the conquistadors, but maybe he had another curse, something that at least kind of tied into you know, like a healing or a curse and not just like, yeah, just pure power. They seem too opposed of each other. That it's like, oh, they're just trying to make this thing a catch-all and just try to give its 
ambiguous enough that everybody can just have motivation while they're here. It kind of seemed to be a, a bit of a reach because it's like, oh, well, everyone knows in like, you know, the early you know, 1900s, the Germans were bad. So let's use, let's make a German bad guy and try to make that fit. That particular character, like, to be honest with you, I think you can completely lose him and rewrite the story and it would be way better. Uh, I don't think he's necessary at all. And that's kind of where you get into some some issues. So another thing about it, and since we're talking about these side characters, one of the things that makes pirates thrive is you get these cool side characters that, you know, you don't need to spend a lot of time with, but they're kind of funny. So you get the two British soldiers that are, are bumbling and that Jack Sparrow tricks down at the dock. And there's that whole scene where you, it kind of serves the purpose of letting you know, oh, Jack Sparrow's pretty smart uh he could talk in circles and confuse people and then also you know the soldiers are pretty funny in and of themselves and you also have kind of a, a mirror of characters like that that are pirates you have pintel and Rigetti who are funny with and they really bumbling. aren't as funny in this first they movie. aren't as funny yeah. I, I remember them because yeah they definitely are the comic relief later in the movies but they definitely were played you could sense they're a little more vicious you could sense they had the comic vibes in them a little bit because they, they would go to them for some some sight gags and things with with the fake eye and whatnot and they kind of weren't the best pirates but they weren't like the full-fledged comic relief that, that they, they were in the later movies yeah right right but still there's some intrigue with them whereas in the jungle cruise again you know you have mcgregor who's a great side character but then you know you have a character like paul giamatti you know they put him on the posters and everything he was in the movie for a total of five minutes maximum we should have known when he didn't show up to the world premiere yeah. he wasn't even going to really be in this movie that yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. It is, it's pretty funny. My, um, I listened to to my brother, my brother and me, and they did a whole gag at the beginning of their show about how pa, where's Paul Giamatti in the whole movie. He's not anywhere in the movie pretty much except for those five minutes. So, I mean, and it's a good point. It's just you have somebody who's an acclaimed actor like that and you kind of, and even his character isn't that great you know he's kind of funny they play him for laughs but i'd almost rather see him as somebody chasing after frank as opposed to prince Joachim. like that would probably be more interesting they almost needed some more conflict because frank and lily they never really were challenged that much i mean as much as like Joachim was going after them they had that whole um you know scene as they were initially leaving where the submarine came up <laughs> and stuff but once they got away from them they never really ran into them again until basically at the end when the conquistadors were unleashed and then kind of right at the end whenever they're actually going to the tree. That was really their only conflict, but they never really failed in any way. And I know, you know, Angela, you've taught me this with your English degree, that kind of good storytelling and good story structure, the characters should fail at right. their you know adventure a couple of times. And I was kind of really reminded of that watching Pirates of the Caribbean whenever, I mean, it's halfway through the movie, they have uh, Elizabeth and the whole Black Pearl crew is there. They're thinking they're ready to break the curse. And I'm like, wow, does it, like, is it over already? Like, is it going to end? And they fail because, you know, they get to the point where they've reached their goal. They've done exactly what they want to do, but they fail because they don't have the right person. That I, I do feel like works better because, you get to the point where this is where they want to be and they have a failure and now they have to backtrack. It's like, okay, how are they going to get the person they need? How are they going to get back here? Whereas in the Jungle Cruise, there are some speed bumps along the way, but it's not like they ever get to the tree and, you know, Lily dies. I mean, she's underwater for 10 minutes and, <laughs> and she, you know, and somehow she can still live. But like, you know, what if she would have died and Frank had to then use the use the leaf to save her instead of breaking his own curse. Like that would have been 
better because there would have been a failure and then he would have had to have made a choice to resurrect her. Whereas, again, it's kind of there's impediments, but they're always moving forward. They never have really any any backtracks in, in any way. I mean, Disney does this a lot and they have done it for a while with female empowerment. They didn't want to have the guy coming in and saving the girl um, because then that kind of speaks to that. And yeah, I think you're right. It probably would have been better that way because that's a harder choice for him to maybe have to make. But they were setting it up that he was kind of done living and he was ready to die anyways. And so, you know, his sacrifice, even at the end, you kind of knew it was coming because it wasn't like he really wanted to break the curse. Like he was just, he was just ready to die. And so I I don't think even even if you had that, the way they set it up, that it would have been a difficult choice because he would have said, I I don't need to live. I've lived 400 years. Let her live, um, you know, type thing. Let let her be saved. I think that you point out though, right there. Yeah. The reason why it doesn't quite work because she, it's almost like she selfishly brings him back because she wants to be with him. Whereas they don't let her really rescue him. She rescues him, but they don't let her, you know, it's not like he says, oh my goodness, I need to go find this or do this. I have unfinished business. So when she gives that flower to him, the sacrifice really means nothing. Um, I mean, of course, he seems kind of happy about it at the end, but they do gloss over the fact that, yeah, he's said a lot of the movie, yeah, he's done living. So yeah, what her choice there seems purely selfish and they've kind of taken away the agency of the choice there. Yeah, like, and they find the tree and she gets a leaf and like it just ends. Like we don't know, did she revolutionize medicine? I mean, that's the thing too. Like there's no real playoff. Like they find the tree, the rock breaks the curse and basically, you know, this whole movie again, it's kind of like a setup for a sequel. Like we just had to get the rock and Emily Blunt together so that they could go on future adventures. Like the tree really didn't matter in the end. You know, it's probably going to be a throwaway thing in the next movie that, Oh yeah. You know, she just revolutionized medicine. No big deal. I will say that the twist with the rocks character that he was was great. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't like that twist. It felt like it was a twist just to be a twist. Like it, it felt like they just, they needed, oh, we have to somehow connect you know, these characters to the Conquistadors because otherwise you would have never gotten the Conquistadors' backstory. The only reason we knew why the Conquistadors were there, and they tried to make it more sympathetic because they were trying to say the Conquistadors were out there to save um, the, the leader's daughter because she was sick. And the only reason you knew that is because Frank turned out to be a Conquistador and he could explain why they were there, what happened, how they got cursed, how those conquistadors got trapped, why they're after him. I mean, it it was a good twist, but in the end, it kind of felt like this was a twist just to have it and just for the fact that we need somebody to fill out their backstory. Kind of to your point, you could have probably got rid of Prince Joaquin and still had a movie. You could have probably got rid of him, had these conquistadors somehow accidentally revitalized and hunting them down for for the tree. And then they were, and then, and then that would have had better motivation because Frank and Lily are trying to find the tree because Lily's trying to do this to revolutionize medicine. And the conquistadors are trying to find the tree because they have unfinished business and they're trying to break the curse. And that way Frank doesn't have to be cursed. It just, it just seemed like they threw a twist in there because they're like, we need to have some twist in this movie to kind of get people talking about like, oh, you didn't see that twist coming. Whereas they could have probably simplified Ooh. some things and had actually better motivation for the villains and given you you know, a backstory, kind of like they do in, in Pirates of the Caribbean, which is what we're talking about. Well, it is funny because I think throughout the beginning part of the movie, there were multiple times I think that something happened to The Rock and we're like, oh, he should be dead. He should be dead. So that was one thing that definitely explained it away where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he got slammed against something so hard. That's why he didn't die. Well, I will say 
to your point, they they did do it well where they kind of laid it out where he he fights the the jaguar in the beginning. And you're like a little yeah. bit like how is he alive from this? And so it kind of gets your mind thinking like okay, maybe there's something special about him, but then you find out that's his pet. Right. And so you go, oh, okay, so he's just kind of a trickster, and then you don't think anything of it. And so then that way, when he gets stabbed at the end, you go, oh my gosh, he's dead. And then so when he comes back alive, you're like, oh, okay, like what happened? And so you are kind of surprised by it. Again, I think my point was just, ultimately, it felt like they threw a twist in there just to have a twist because they needed something. You do they bring needed up, to explain the backstory. You do bring up the Jaguar, who, uh, speaking of side characters, also a good side character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was that was very very cute. It also makes sense that you know somebody who's immortal could adopt a jaguar and, and not really ton- have to worry yeah, about he's it. Done a lot eating of its them. head off. And he's done yeah a lot of yes. them uh, throughout the years. So. Exactly. But um, another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, and you know, not a whole lot to say about this, but I can't remember the music from the Jungle Cruise at all. But the music from Pirates of the Caribbean so iconic is so iconic. Um, you know, you have Klaus Bedelt, who is the I think he was the primary composer. I know Hans Zimmer also uh, maybe Klaus worked under Hans. Zimmer but that music of that entire franchise is is up there with like Indiana Jones as far as just epic music it adds to every scene um when Elizabeth is learning about how the pirates are cursed that scene there's very little dialogue it is most of the um ominousness is is visual and the music so it is it adds to the movie very much like a lot yeah music is such a huge part in movies and I was kind of thinking about this because we just saw Shang-Chi this past weekend as well. Mm, yeah. And I know we're not, we're not talking about Shang-Chi. Uh, it's a good movie. No spoilers on that. Yeah, no spoilers on that. I, I say it's like a B. I know, Angela, I think you liked it uh, much better. A. Right, yeah, you, you definitely highly recommend it. But but the one thing is I felt like it was lacking in kind of just real iconic music. Whereas some of the other Marvel movies, especially like Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy and even the Avengers movies, like the Avengers theme is very iconic. Black Panther had very unique and iconic music. You know, Guardians, you know, plays well on the soundtracks. I feel like Shang-Chi was missing that a little bit. It was still a good movie though. But again, we're not talking about about Shang-Chi here, but you're right. Pirates has much more iconic music to it than the Jungle Cruise does. Because again, I feel like the Jungle Cruise, you know, you have Emily Blunt and The Rock, you have two major movie stars, and I felt like they go, we kind of just need to focus on them right. and really let them drive this movie. Again, they're, they're two great movie stars, and I think they really interacted well together, and that was one of the highlights of the movie, but it is asking a lot whenever you just want to have a character-driven movie like this when you're trying to have this sprawling action-adventure franchise you you need yeah some iconic themes you need some more action and adventure than just people floating on a river for a a large chunk of the movie i think that honestly now that you said this it it makes me think of all the other movies with like headline actors if you think back to like the latest star wars franchise for example when we daisy ridley didn't have much of a name adam driver didn't have much of a name before that and that movie turned out to be great because they had to actually really work on the story and make a good story in order and you're then you learn who the actors are and now they're obviously super famous um you think about iron man robert downey jr was a huge actor who had fallen from grace and then this was kind of his comeback story but again it wasn't yeah, like look people at, went to the movies you to look see. at all of marvel i mean basically the entire mcu they get actors that are not they're not huge names huge names to be with they're getting them more now but yeah. if you look at like thor 
Hemsworth and Hiddleston, they were nobodies. When they were cast, the all the headlines were Marvel's basically rolling dice on nobodies, you know, on this movie. Chris Evans even wasn't uh, you know, a huge name. Yeah, he was now, the human torch, but Right. But so now again, you know, they're starting to now attract uh, bigger names but like you look at chris pratt i mean he had done tv he played andy, andy on parks and rec and he was not a in shape fit superhero guy and you know now he's you know star lord so you're right when sometimes when you have that you're not so focused on you know trying to give these just you know mega stars uh, so much to do and and they they had to carry it i feel like too much um versus yeah like we're we're pirates and those people were not, you know, huge. Johnny Depp was, but you know, everybody else really wasn't at the time. And, and you could get some more iconicness. I also feel like they fell into the trap where they went into Jungle Cruise thinking, we need to start a franchise here. And so what you tend to do is you tend to make the first movie a really long, uh, basically, prequel to the actual, you know, movie. And that, again, this was really just all a setup to get you to buy into frank and lily's relationship so that in the future movies they don't have to explain why they're together and they already have that chemistry built in versus focusing on just making a really good movie and if it does well okay we can do a sequel i think the most enjoyable part of the jungle cruise is just watching all the press junkets with with the rock and emily blunt together because they truly seem to have great chemistry and to get along and she gives them a hard time and it's pretty. It's yeah, pretty that was funny. almost better. Yeah, than the, the, actual than the movie, movie itself. Yeah. So my last couple points here are like the dialogue in Pirates of the Caribbean is so witty. Um, you know, you have some really funny lines in the Jungle Cruise. Uh, you know, in the very beginning where you have Frank on the boat, you get a ton of little puns that are quite ingenious actually, but they're kind of throwaway lines. But I do, I do enjoy. For example, you know, before this, I worked in an orange juice factory, but I got canned, couldn't concentrate. Yeah, they put the squeeze on me, too. Like, those are pretty funny, and and you expect that, especially because it's true to the ride. But with Pirates of the Caribbean, I mean, you just have... Johnny Depp's lines again, you know, his his talking in circles and even the lines like that's not good enough from Will, William Turner where he slams uh you know, I think it I think he had an axe. He slammed his axe on the table. I mean, those are all such iconic lines. You pull you come out of the movie and that's you immediately think of those. All right, counterpoint to that, I will say for you I think they're iconic lines. I think for most people there's not really that many iconic lines out of Pirates of the Caribbean either. Um, so Boo. to your point, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think like you mentioned, you've seen pirates probably 10 times. So they're very iconic for you because you remember that movie. If somebody watched the jungle cruise 10 times, I'm sure there's a lot of iconic lines. That's with any movie. The, the more you watch a movie, the more you think those lines are iconic. I'm sure there's been some, but there's not really been, I don't feel like a lot of lines from pirates that have like transcended in the terms of true iconicness that you're going to remember. Like, if you look at Endgame, I love you 3000. I mean, that kind of was everywhere. That transcended. Yeah. That was very iconic. Or, you know, I am Iron Man from the original Iron Man or from, you know, Endgame as well, where he says that. Like, those are iconic lines that are kind of out there in pop culture. Now, I agree with you. There's nothing that's been like out there from the Jungle Cruise, but I don't really know that there is from Pirates either. Again, you, I think, are a little biased <laughs> because you remember all of the lines. I will say, I, I definitely remembered some of the lines um i think maybe one of the lines from pirates that that maybe remembered is like you best start believing in ghost stories you're in one because that was in the trailers and everything so 
I think some of that might be in there, but you can always trust a dishonest man to be dishonest. No, nobody knows that. So, <laughs> so I, I do think there are probably some iconic lines, but um, not as much maybe as as you're saying. Another thing is with Pirates of the Caribbean, it transcends genre. You know, I know that one of the issues, especially with books, is when you have uh, it's hard whenever you have a book that goes into multiple genres because in the bookstore they don't know where to classify it um i think though for movies it probably really works out well because pirates has a little bit of everything you know you've got horror you have fantasy you have action romance and humor um so i think and again i'm defending the jungle cruise here a little bit but the jungle cruise again they tried they tried to get most of those too yeah you're right and they they again they had that comparison to pirates and i think they tried because they did have some horror and it definitely was, you know, action adventure, you know, a lot of the comparisons, I think it's true. You have an Indiana Jones vibe to it and you're right. And, and Pirates of the Caribbean does that too. I think Pirates of the Caribbean gets a little bit more into like the fantasy elements as they get into the future movies and, and kind of more into like the pirate lore. I also think that helped it too. Whereas they kind of leaned on real pirate lore, Davy Jones, especially in future movies, Davy Jones, the Kraken, Blackbeard, whereas there's no lore about the jungle, the you know, like, yeah. so they had to make it up. And I think that's why, again, going back to this whole tree thing, it's a little bit weaker of a, a plot point because it's kind of something they had to make up. That's they made too ambiguous that people don't naturally know. Whereas, you know, in the later pirates, when you talk about Davy Jones, everybody's like, Oh yeah, I've heard of Davy Jones. Like you have some knowledge of it and then it, it helps bring you into the story a little bit more. The last thing that I I thought about that made me like Pirates better is just that the ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, for me, is it's just not as good. So my expectations going in were so low that the movie was a surprise. Whereas The Jungle Cruise is funny. You got a lot of what you expected with The Jungle Cruise, but it is hard to kind of exceed it because the fantasy elements of it didn't work as well. So I think that expectation always kind of goes against you if you have low expectations going in you're going to be more likely to be happy with what you come out with yeah i will say i was surprised re-watching pirates that it did kind of hold up and it, it was still good again when, when we left the jungle cruise i was like i don't think this is good as pirates but i haven't seen pirates of the caribbean in a while and so maybe i'm just in my mind you know that halo effect that oh it's it's better but it definitely was a stronger movie than the jungle cruise again i don't think the jungle cruise was a terrible movie i mean they're going to make a sequel i don't think it's going to be connected to the jungle cruise in any way like it's just i don't see where they go with it 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 seems like they didn't really leave themselves open i think it's just going to be frank and lily tracking down some artifact again it's kind of like indiana jones maybe where they're just going after an artifact that well i think it's not going to necessarily be you know jungle themed yeah i could see the next one you know, the, the next movie that they go off together in London and it's kind of about their adjustment to that and Frank's adjustment to that because he doesn't be able to leave the water and the Amazon for a really long time. And then Lily and Frank together found C and then they learn about maybe, yeah, some other ar- artifact in the process yeah, of that. And it's that's like essentially yeah, what Indiana Jones was. Yeah, he was just going after one artifact after another. So, but again, I, I don't know that I need a sequel to this movie. I think we're going to get one. And I don't think I'll we go needed, see it. Yeah, and I don't think we needed a sequel necessarily to Pirates of the Caribbean. We did not. Yeah, and, and I think again, I think Disney needs to be careful because while those movies did make a lot of money, I don't think 
they were received as well as the first one. And I think the first one was so good because they weren't trying to set it up as a, as a major right. franchise. They were just trying to make a great movie and they happened to leave it open that it did well and they were able to make, you know, future movies. But I, I definitely think, you know, again, comparing these two pirates of the Caribbean is the better movie. That doesn't again, mean to say that the jungle cruise is a terrible movie. Um, but I do think it's not one that you really need to rush out and see. And I don't think it's one that, Unless they do something like radically different in the second movie, I don't know that it's going to be this this huge franchise. I think that maybe they can learn from the mistake that they made in this first movie and start to kind of branch out a little more. I, I'm not discounting their ability to actually make a better second movie than the first one. All right, so that wraps up the show for this week. So, uh, Brianna, thanks for the question a few weeks ago. It probably got much more of an answer than you really needed and or wanted. Uh, but thanks for the question. Uh, if any of our listeners uh, have other questions that, that they would like us uh, to answer on the show or have ideas for topics you'd like us to cover as full shows, um, you can send us your question over on our website. It's enchantedears.com slash podcast question. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.